Coming up on Leading Edge. Once we start thinking in a sustainable way, there's a recognition that you create additional risk by behaving non-sustainably. So it's a case of thinking about risk in a slightly different way, not just in terms of finance, but the future of the world that we're living in. This is Leading Edge, a Henley Business School podcast. Welcome to Leading Edge from Henley Business School. I'm Thomas Mason. In this third series, we're discussing topics as varied as when to hit the off switch if you're suffering from techno stress, how the pandemic has caused a great reset in customer expectations, how to create the right kind of digital disruption, and why we need to slow down if we want to achieve lasting change faster. Today, I'm joined by Carol Paget, who's a professor of finance at Henley Business School and the head of the ICMA Centre, which is sponsored by the International Capital Markets Association. Carol introduced the teaching of corporate governance and ethical finance at the centre and has recently taken a particular interest in sustainability, which makes her perfectly qualified to take us through today's topic, sustainable finance is green, the new black. Carol, hello there. Hi, Thomas. Good to see you. Good to be with you. And just to make clear to our listeners, we've saved a bit of our carbon footprint by doing this as a virtual recording, not so many miles to London and back into our studio. Uh, So great to have you here down the line. And maybe just to start us off, Carol, it's it's a big topic, this one, a big meaty topic, sustainable finance. How do we define that? Okay, that's a good place to start. The standard definition of sustainable finance, uh, and I'm saying standard here because it's used by organisations like the European Commission, is that sustainable finance is all about making financial decisions, taking account of environmental, social and governance considerations. So I'm sure some people have already come across ESG investing, environmental, social and governance investing. And that's been around for quite some time now. But the thing which makes sustainable finance slightly different is that it focuses more on the environmental or the sustainable aspect rather than the social or governance aspect of financial decision making. Yes, this is this word, isn't it? This phrase, uh, ESG. So just just to be clear, that's what environmental, social governance. And those are three factors on, on which green finance is effectively measured these days. And that's a big new area of investing, isn't it? It is, but it's growing very rapidly. And I I think in the future, we're set to see far more emphasis on it. Certainly, uh, education providers and training providers are becoming much more interested in this. Uh, At the level of the kind of classical university education, here at Henley, we are introducing a new BSc in finance where you can specialise in sustainable finance. And then in the training world, providers like the CFA Institute, that's the Chartered Financial Analyst Qualification, they're building more and more ethical or sustainable finance into their qualifications. So this really is the way that the subject is going. Yes, so flexible finance, and then there's two new areas, one sustainability and one fintech. So it certainly seems like those seem to be the kind of two hot hot topics that are now part of what was, it's really adding a new layer to what was finance in the past. Yes, indeed. Um, we're seeing big changes now. And then if you could have a bit of a think then about the, the importance of this, not just as something you can learn, but it seems to be now that 
addressing the climate crisis has become this big societal aim, this big priority. We've got Joe Biden. He's introduced a two trillion pound plan to address the sustainability issue. It, w it was called the Green New Deal. I think they're now calling it something else. We've got lots of countries beginning to compete on their net zero target the year they're going to go for it and trying to bring that forward so it's not just a kind of niche area anymore it's, it's, it's kind of become quite mainstream you're right um I, I think really this is the way of the future everybody's concerned about the future of the planet the future of our economies and how we can build sustainability into everything that we do and it's interesting there that you mentioned joe biden's plans because we can see quite similar plans being talked about in the uk and in the european union for instance so lots of emphasis on environmentally friendly technologies renewable energy energy efficient buildings cleaner transport and so on the whole world is going all out for this now so that there's all those countries doing all those things. And then there's a link between the finance and the economy, isn't there? So you you have an idea really about a bit of a vision for what some of those jobs of the future will be and that more and more of them are going to have a green element. Well, yes, indeed. I mean, if we were to think simply about environmentally friendly technologies, that does mean that we need to train people differently so that they can work with new technologies. The same thing would go for cleaner transport. Construction could change quite dramatically. So we'll need to train people up to be ready to do those jobs, which will look and feel rather different from traditional jobs in those areas. And of course, all of it needs to be financed in a way which is also sustainable, where people are recognising the kind of risk and return that they'll get from those investments. And everybody is on board with that sustainability ideal. And it seems like we've got some jobs that you could say are kind of directly green. So we've heard over the last few weeks and months about new gigafactories, Nissan, 2,000 direct jobs in, in the northeast and, and thousands more indirectly. So you could say that they're pure green jobs. Uh, and then that filtering down and over time other jobs having a sustainable element. Yes, indeed. Uh, I mean, whenever you start doing something new, you affect the supply chain, you affect the locality. And so lots of other jobs will come on the back of that uh, new green investment. So we've got a sense of what sustainable finance is, but also there's sometimes a bit of confusion or uh, people trying to maybe, we, we've heard of this phrase greenwashing, uh, but what green actually is, how we define it, you know, there's this tension between what is genuinely green and what is an attempt at perhaps box ticking by some organisations. So, so maybe you can help us with uh, your definition of what green really means. <laughs> okay, I'll do my best. Um... That there are lots of definitions out there of what green is. Certainly in the investment space, we're becoming more and more used to talking about dark green versus light green investments. So basically, any investment in an activity which is genuinely concerned with the environment. So for instance, that gigafactory you're talking about, or building a wind farm, if you're investing in that, that would be a dark green investment. But then the, the shade of green gets paler and paler as you start to move away from that into the periphery. Or, for instance, if you're just talking about investing in a company which is using carbon offsets, that would be less green than some, somebody who's investing in, in technology which reduces the carbon footprint. Yes. So I like, I like that dark green versus pale green. And there's also a bit of the way that investments are screened. And we 
we we may see this if you start trying to take a bit of control of your of your money. Um, there's a sort of negative screen, and that was that was step one, if you like, and that's when you get rid of these sin stocks. You divest from. Uh, and not not necessarily everything about these companies is bad, but you know you get rid of oil, oil and gas, tobacco, so BP, Shell, uh, British American Tobacco. A lot of sustainability funds get rid of things like alcohol as well. Uh, and, and then that's step one. So it's a, a negative screen, and then and you have a positive screen, which is when you're trying then to actually find some genuinely good companies, uh, and that might be things like a, a wind farm. You know those sorts of companies. Uh, so, so it's it's a, a good criteria. Are there some different companies that are actually trying to set a bit of a standard here to, to do a rating on on how green some investments are? Yes, um, and I think part of the problem though is that there are lots of different standards available, or the standards themselves are just emerging. And there is a lot of interest in the finance industry for trying to unify these standards. I mean, for instance, at the moment, Morningstar is quite highly regarded in terms of the way it rates investments. The CFA, who I mentioned earlier, is doing a lot of work on this and they want a consistent standard so that people really know what the word green means without just kind of fudging it of saying dark green and, and pale green as I was. Yeah, so I've seen that that Morningstar uh, sustainability rating on on investments when when you look at them, and then you think that this is an idea in a way whose whose time has come. I, I know that in some of your previous research, you've looked at the idea of Islamic finance, which was quite a, a bit of a niche area, but it was putting certain criteria on, on finance. And then, in a way, this is a this is a new development that builds on that. Maybe you can explain that for us. Yes, of course. Islamic finance, as I think many people these days know, is based on the idea that you shouldn't charge interest. But more than that, it has a real ethical dimension because it is very concerned with where you invest your money. So it fits very neatly with the idea of sin stocks, which you mentioned. But over time, it's becoming more proactive. So that's the positive screening that you mentioned earlier, but specifically looking at the environment uh, you know, the idea being the environment is God's gift to humanity and it has to be taken care of. And so we're now starting to see more crossovers between Islamic finance and the world of ESG investing. Right. Um, and then there's this idea also now that we have a, a, an opportunity as individuals potentially to take some control of, of our money. And, you know, that might start with things that we've previously let other people manage, like our pension. Or it might be that during lockdown, some of us who've been able to keep working are fortunate enough to have built up a, a nest egg. Uh, and there are some opportunities, actually, to do something a bit different than just, say, investing in the FTSE 100 or the things we've always done in the past. Can you just sketch out some of the different options that people have when taking back control of their money and their finance? I, I think the, the first thing to say about taking control of your money is to realise that any money you've got in a, a standard bank account is probably losing money in real terms because interest rates are so low and inflation is increasing. So taking control has got to be a good thing in terms of maintaining your income. But in terms of using it uh, in order to make the world a better place, which is essentially what we're talking about here, 
Yes, just looking at the FTSE 100 won't cut that because some of those companies you mentioned, the oil and gas firms, for instance, are there in the FTSE 100. So you need to think a bit more broadly, think about going into some smaller companies, not necessarily startups or very small companies, but perhaps going into the 250 and looking out for managed funds which meet your criteria for being environmentally friendly or indeed any other aspect of ethical behaviour that you're interested in. Yeah, and and something you were talking to me about this, and I'm still learning about this, but there's something called a green bond. What's one of those? A a green bond is, is a bond which is issued specifically in order to finance a green or environmentally friendly project. So it's issued by a company which is doing something new. Typically, you'll get a decent amount of information on what this new activity is. So you should get a good information flow. You would know exactly what it is you're investing in. And so that that ticks the boxes in terms of being transparent as well as being sustainable. And then one of the other questions, it's all very well to say we're putting our money in in green bonds or uh, other things that we know we're we're, we're moving away from things like the FTSE 100 but are we taking a a big risk and a gamble with our money there and actually going to damage our future returns? No you're not. Um, This is something which financial economists have been looking at for a long time now and the most recent evidence suggests that actually you are investing very wisely if you do choose to go down an environmentally friendly route. There was some evidence from Morgan Stanley published just a couple of years ago in 2019 They they looked at a 14-year period and discovered that sustainable funds are less risky than so-called conventional ones. So actually, you're doing yourself a favour by investing that way. And particularly when the stock market becomes more volatile, so you're more worried about losing out, that's when sustainable funds do better than the conventional ones. Yes, and there have been some, haven't there? I'm thinking of things like BlackRock, Green Energy Fund is one where they've actually really taken off and they've been they've had some quite spectacular returns, um, partly perhaps because the money's gone into some of these sorts of future type companies like Tesla in the US who've really gone off to the races on on the stock market. But, you know, it's, it's early days, but, but so far it seems like you can get better returns. Yes, indeed. Um, it, it's no longer a niche area or an area where you should invest your spare money that you're, you're less worried about losing. This is becoming a very good place to invest. And it seems to be you talked about the mission of society uh, and we and being almost becoming a partner for the government if you if you get involved in this area and it does seem to be going mainstream and um, one one green bond that i heard about i think it's national savings and investments now uh, the government is, is launching that as a new offering so the chancellor rishi sunak going to try and get us all to buy green bonds perhaps rather than premium bonds Yes, indeed. There's lots of excitement about that. And everybody's waiting for the actual launch date, which I think is the, the key thing we don't know about yet. The detail, yeah, what will, will there be a decent interest rate? As you say, will it? some of the returns are so low uh, for some people with their cash that uh, we'll, see what, we'll see what good looks like. You, you mentioned one study there. Um, I'll, I'll throw one back at you then, uh, Carol. I, I remember, this is this is reminded me all of this about a talk I went to a few years ago and this was with the the fund manager of a positive impact fund which opened my eyes to some of this stuff and he said that you know we all try to do our bit don't we to help the environment you know we might use 
paper straws we might recycle and he he came up with this really rather uh, arresting statistic uh, which was that you know if we put our money into sustainable investment the kind of the good one not just the negative screening one that's going to have 27 times greater effect on solving the crisis than if we take shorter showers if we take fewer flights each year, if we take the train rather than the car, and if we eat only one piece of meat a week. So while we all try and do our bit, that argument, and this was from a company called Nordea Invest, he was quoting, uh, that argument really is not exactly forget all that stuff, but we could have a lot more impact just by redirecting where our money went. I know it's fascinating, isn't it, to start thinking of it in those terms. Um, obviously, I haven't seen the the calculations or the analysis behind that, but I think anything that you, that any of us can do that affects other people, or in this case, other businesses, is bound to have bigger trickle-down effects than just me using my paper straws. So yeah, the more impact we have on other people, on other businesses, the, the greater impact we're going to have for the good of the planet. Now, obviously, I think I know we, it is worth underlining this point. We're, we're not giving people financial advice or saying, you know, buy this fund or, or, or that one. And in, in some cases, it might sound a bit a bit complicated if we start saying, well, you've got to think about your, your pension or your ISIS or that kind of thing. But are there, are there some simpler ways that people can start to make some sustainable changes financially that maybe don't involve having to put money at risk in that sort of sense? Well, if you don't want risk at all, then I guess the place to start would be thinking about your banking. Your, which bank do you use? So... Uh, you could go to a website like the Money Expert website, which ranks banks according to whether or not they are ethical. And so you might choose to move your current account to an ethical bank, for instance. If you are thinking about taking a little bit more risk and, you know, you, you mentioned ISAs, you might be going for some kind of mutual fund, then I would definitely say go to an independent financial advisor, someone who's not tied to a particular fund. They'll gauge your risk appetite and, and point you in the direction of something which could be good for you. I mean, there are other fairly simple things, aren't there, like changing your energy supplier as well? Yeah, yes, indeed. You could do all of those practical things as well. Uh, I mean, just Bear in mind the fact, though, that all of the energy is coming from the same grid. You can't guarantee you're going to be consuming the energy that came through wind power, but at least you're encouraging uh, businesses to produce energy in that way. Yeah, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because lots of energy tariffs now, electricity tariffs, tariffs say, you know, sign up with us, we'll, we'll offer you 100% green electricity. And from my trying to do my bit, I've been quite encouraged, particularly because they don't seem to be any more expensive now. It seems to be often that you know the cheapest or the you know the best fixed term deal has that green element. So it's been it really does seem to be baked into to what the market is now offering. But you're right, you know what comes into our house or into our flat isn't different. Uh, but some of these companies might have their own wind farms offshore. You know they might have uh, some solar energy or or uh, they might be buying carbon offsets and that does raise this 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 slight worry doesn't it of something called green washing potentially i mean i i just saw a tweet this week it was from budweiser uk uh, and i don't i don't know uh, what i should make of this or what our listeners should but it said changes in the air every budweiser is now brewed with 100% renewable electricity so i suppose the the question is you know are these companies just trying to 
jump onto the bandwagon or or do you think this is a, a genuine a genuine change that's happening in the market? I think there are certainly some companies who are trying to jump on the bandwagon. Um, I don't know enough about that particular one to know whether they are, for instance, generating their own energy and using it in production. But I think it's something that we as consumers and as investors need to be very careful of and actually check out the claims that companies are making. Yeah, I think there was another one, Brewdog, the craft brewer. They they now reckon that they've gone carbon negative. So (laughs) if you enjoy a beer, you you can save the plants at the same time. I mean, I know, for instance, in their case, that they're building a whole new forest in Scotland and trying to, you know, preserve some peat bogs and things like that. So there there does seem to be uh, something behind the rhetoric. But as you say, it's a a question of of doing your own research, really. We we mentioned the idea of risk, didn't didn't we, Carol? Um, Do you think that some consumers are more likely to take the sorts of risks that might include going greed in, in in their investments than others? I'm certain that is the case. Uh, We all have very different attitudes towards risk, that's for sure. Um, Some of my colleagues have worked particularly looking at gender differences in terms of being willing to take risk. And it's now accepted that women are more risk averse than men. But as you said earlier, this we're not really talking about risky investment here. If you're investing in sustainable investments, then you're not taking on more risk. Uh, why why do you think it's not risky just just because the the money is being employed in something that's kind of long term or has the planet at its, at its heart I, I suppose just because something's green doesn't mean that there's no risk no, nothing is ever without risk that's for sure but if we're talking about a portfolio of green investments then that is no more volatile than a portfolio of sin stocks if you like so you're not taking extra risks by getting into this. Now, we're called Leading Edge here on this podcast. So let's try and make some of the links to how we can be aware of all these things and actually become leaders ourselves or incorporate it into the leadership of companies. You mentioned you're, you know, you've got, you're teaching sustainable finance now as part of a, a new degree. Um, what sort of things will one of the students have to tackle to, to, so they say so they pass their module in sustainable finance? You know, what, what, what are they going to get that they have to learn about now? What you're going to have to learn and get to grips with is a slightly wider definition of risk. So finance theory is very good at measuring risk in traditional ways, typically thinking about the variability of returns. But once we start thinking in a sustainable way, there's a recognition that you create additional risk by behaving non-sustainably. And if you're creating additional risk by behaving non-sustainably, that means that all of the, the sin stocks and so on are actually they have to create lots of extra return to compensate for that risk. It makes more sense to move into less risky activities because if we act more sustainably, we take out those bad things from the economy, the risks to the planet are depleted. So it's a case of thinking about risk in a slightly different way and so that investors don't just chase the high returns that you get from high-risk activity, but they think about the balance of risk and return, not just in terms of finance, but the future of the world that we're living in. And then thinking about this from a leadership perspective, what, what are the leadership benefits, if you like, of embracing sustainable finance? I would say the main leadership 
benefits are that you will increase the value of your business. Because if you think about what it means to behave sustainably, issue green bonds, invest in sustainable projects, then you're very likely to, to develop a keen and loyal group of customers. The people who work for you are, given that we're all so concerned about sustainability, the people who work for you will be very keen to give of their best. And all of that is going to raise the profitability of your business, which will get more and more shareholders interested and you'll see your share price rising. So it really is a, a win-win. I guess that's a pretty good start if it, if this business is successful. Uh, and by extension, I suppose if there's a, we've we've mentioned the two trillion dollars, for instance, going in uh, from from the states, there's got to be a whole load of new jobs in this area. So you know, if you want to be a leader of the future, then it's probably a good idea to think about how you can be a green leader of the future. Yeah, definitely. That that is where those future leaders are really going to score and do well. Great. Well, that's green finance. Lots to think about there. Um, there's a question we're asking everybody here on Series 3 of, of Leading Edge, and that's we're entering some kind of new normal now. We, we know no, nothing is for certain, as you say. We, we can't get rid of all the risks. Uh, but thinking about what you've discovered during the pandemic or, or while working from home, is there one tip or trick for us, something you, you're going to keep doing, uh, and what's one thing you can't wait to stop having to do. <laughs> okay. Um, in terms of what I'm going to keep doing, I am going to think far more consciously about why I travel. You know, typically I, I find myself taking sometimes short, sometimes long journeys to go to a meeting that lasts an hour. So I'm going to cut that out because I know now that I can do it online and that's far more efficient and it's more sustainable. And in terms of what I'm going to stop doing, I do look forward to not working at home because I'm very fortunate to live a very pleasant half hour walk from my workplace and I'm looking forward to getting back into that and to getting back into my office where I can see people. Very nice. So walk to work uh, where, where that makes sense, but, but stay at home and, and stay online where it can save you a, a car journey. It's very interesting to see that you've baked in sustainability to, to your routine and if the pan pandemic has made you that bit greener then I guess that can only be a good thing. So Carol Padgett, it's been a really fascinating conversation. Professor of Finance at Henley Business School, Carol Padgett, thanks very much for joining us here on Leading Edge. Thank you, it's been a pleasure. Next time on Leading Edge. So I think as well as value, the other aspect is are these companies easy to do business with? We know that ease of doing business drives advocacy, value for money and loyalty. So the companies that are really easy to do business with, we keep going back. Leading Edge is a Henley Business School podcast. This episode was written and presented by Thomas Mason. Visit hly.ac slash leading edge for more.